This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on this Christmas edition of Talking Buffalo Podcast, not really Christmas, of course, but it feels like it because it is the NFL draft. It is finally here. I'm going to have Greg Thompson from Cover One. We're going to break down everything that happened on night one of the draft. And of course, we're going to take a look into what should be a very busy next couple of days for the Buffalo Bills. Really good stuff with Greg. And I'm going to have that for you starting in just a minute. Before that, I want to let you know that today's show is being supported by 26 Shirts. At 26 Shirts, a different Buffalo theme design is sold every two weeks. Then that shirt is gone. Here's the cool part. For every single shirt that they sell, a donation is made to that specific campaign each and every single time, every single shirt sold. Since 2013, their designs have managed to raise and donate several hundred thousand dollars. Incredible. Del Reed, his crew, they do such an amazing job enriching the lives of so many people. It's great to see. Not to mention, these are outstanding looking design t-shirts. They're very comfortable, very sporty to wear. I have several of these shirts, wear them out all the time. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause needs you this week. And on that note, let's do it. Buffalo's got a spirit talking proud, talking proud. Listen up and you'll hear it talking proud, talking proud. The good life that we share with nice people who care. It's time to tell them all we're up and standing tall. All right, what's going on, everyone? How you doing? Episode 214, Talking Buffalo Podcast. Thank you to everyone out there listening, downloading the show. It means a lot to me. Tired. It's late. Very late. Thursday night, first round of the NFL draft complete. Got my man, Greg Thompson from Cover One with me. Not going to waste any time here at the top. We're both tired. Very long night. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Not too bad. We had a good time. We had a, a Zoom hangout session with all the Cover One Premium members tonight. We had a blast making fun of the, the Dolphins multiple times, and it was a really good time. We, we had a blast. I did a Zoom thing, too, with my buddies. That's something that we've been doing for years. Well, not Zoom, hanging out, getting together for the draft, drinking, do this thing every year where I try to guess the pick as it comes in, and if I'm right, we do a shot. I didn't drink tonight because I had to do a podcast. Pretty good. I don't know what my numbers were tonight, but... They were actually really good. Yeah, I had nice. I, I had plenty. Now, again, it wasn't a mock draft from before. This was pick by pick. So, you know, if you do a mock ahead of time, one wrong pick or one trade screws your entire thing up. Doesn't work that way with this. But anyway, that was a that was a good time. And I'll tell you what, too, wasn't it kind of a stress-free night in a way? Because you're approaching this as a Buffalo Bills fan and a Buffalo Bills podcaster. You knew coming in, there's no way they're going up from 54 all the way to 32 to get in the first round. So it was kind of like just observing tonight. No stress who they might take. Are they going to move back? Are they going to move up? You know what I'm saying? It was kind of different. Yeah, it was nice. You're basically just rooting for mayhem and funny, terrible picks or for, you know, reaches and things like that. And we, we got several of them. So that was entertaining. Yeah, it was. And no major glitches tonight from, uh, yeah. you know, from TV with everything going on. So. That was it a good was actually thing. interesting. They talked. We talked about that in our, our session that it was. I, I wasn't surprised that they hid the GM group call that they did because they didn't want that moment where somebody forgot to take it off a of mute or whatever it was. Um, so it was uh, interesting the way that they had that set up. I, I wasn't shocked that they weren't sharing that publicly. Now, Greg, my mom getting old, so my memory is kind of going to shit here. Did it feel like it was long this first round, or was this pretty much par for the course? Um, it, it definitely felt long, and I think a piece of it was this is the first live uh, TV 
broadcast of anything in over a month and they were milking every possible ad dollar. So I, I'm not shocked that they took every single pick out to the full 15 minutes, but uh, it was, I, I think it's because they were trying to milk every possible ad dollar they could get trying to recoup any revenue they've lost from everything else going on. Yeah, I agree. Now this is kind of has nothing to do with the actual draft itself, but I want to ask you quickly, I put this on Twitter early Thursday. If the bills, and this is just for fun, let's just say the bills had the second pick of the draft. Okay. You couldn't trade down with it, and Chase Young was the first overall pick. Obviously, none of that was ever going to happen, but just in fantasy land, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. You got the second pick of the draft. Who would you have taken with Chase Young gone and you can't deal down? Um, so if Chase Young is gone and I can't deal down, I, I think it probably would have been Jeff Okuda. I love the idea of adding a weapon like Isaiah Sims, and I actually think he could have been what people think some of these guys can be in that big nickel where you stay in base and can do that. So I think either one of them would have been um, a, a sound pick, but I think you would have been trying to find ways to use Simmons that weren't natural. Whereas Okuda comes in and is all of a sudden the best cornerback duo in the NFL. And I think that that's, that's tough to pass up. I agree a hundred percent. Now, before we run through this draft, and again, we're not going to analyze every pick. That's not what we're here for, but Coming into the draft, everyone's been talking about Cam Newton and Jameis Winston. I'm a little bit intrigued by Andy Dalton because I think he's definitely going to be on the trading block as well. Where are you thinking that these guys may go now that night one of the draft is in the books? Because, I mean, New England's got no cap money unless they make some moves to sign somebody. You had Herbert go to the Chargers. You had two go to the Dolphins. Those were two quarterback needy teams. And you got Jacksonville, you got the Raiders, but... Not quite sure about that. Do you think these guys might be waiting for quite a while now? Maybe it's going to take an injury at training camp or something like that before these guys sign somewhere? It is interesting. I don't know exactly what some of them are expecting, but you know, Herbert obviously locking up a spot there. So maybe somebody signs in New England. I, I think it's going to be similar to what we saw with Bridgewater last year, where it's going to be signing on as a high-end backup and trying to recoup your value, spending a year honing your skill with a high-end offensive mind, and then trying to cash in again next year. Um, maybe one of them jumps in somewhere. I, I think Jacksonville could still bring somebody in. I think New England could still bring somebody in. Uh, but there's not a lot of options out there. No, I agree. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to run through the first round quickly. And again, I might stop for a, a question here and there. By the way, only two defensive ends taken in the first round. Five corners, which was a lot, and just one running back who was literally the last pick of the first round. I mentioned those positions specifically because those, I feel like, are positions that the Bills may address on Friday night. But anyway, again, I kind of want to run through here and just get a couple thoughts from you here and there. Joe Burrow going one, Chase Young two, Jeff Akuta three, and then Andrew Thomas four. First semi-surprise. I think it was more semi-surprising that neither Detroit or the Giants moved down because we had heard a lot of rumors about one of those teams moving down for a team maybe coming up to get a quarterback, but it didn't play out that way. And we'll talk about the quarterbacks in a second, but pretty standard first four picks for you. And again, maybe a little surprised that there was no one moving up for uh, three or four. Yeah, I, I actually thought the first seven picks were very predictable. And the only surprise was which tackle was fourth. I, I heard solid arguments for Wirfs, for Wills, for Becton, for Thomas. So I don't know that I had Thomas as the tackle there, but I felt very strongly it would be a tackle. But uh, I, I actually had the first seven picks uh, pegged, but I had Wirfs at four. So I had a tackle there, but I didn't have Thomas there. But I, I thought they all went pretty chalk for where it was. And the, what would have thrown it off would have been that trade. It would have been if somebody moved up for Detroit. And I, I thought a lot of that was a smoke screen. I, I had said earlier on Twitter that all the stuff people had talked about with the, um, you know, oh, the Dolphins are looking to trade up for a tackle. No, they weren't. They just didn't want to pay the premium that if they moved up for three, they didn't want them to charge extra because it was for a quarterback. But they, they weren't moving up for a tackle. Uh, so I, I thought it was a, a pretty boring start overall that there wasn't much excitement. I would like to have seen some of those crazy trades people talked about. Are you a little surprised that Tua went one pick before Herbert when both of them are on the board? And I agree with you, but at the same token, I feel like if Miami really wanted them that bad, they almost were kind of playing with fire because they did give the Chargers or anyone else an opportunity to jump them and get to it. Obviously, it didn't work out that way, though. 
Yeah, I, I, I was a little surprised. I thought maybe they would try to do it. I thought it was, like you said, playing with fire that you'd have a chance to lose them. And, um, you know, I, I think very highly of Tua. I, I think a lot of people that I respect have said that if they were both fully healthy, they would take Tua over Burrow. And, you know, I, I, I don't I think that Burrow has a phenomenal season. So I think they're both excellent. But um, I wasn't excited to see Tua go to Miami. You know, I, I don't know what the odds are of him remaining healthy and everything panning out. But if he does pan out, he's going to be phenomenal. He's really, really good. So I, I didn't want that risk or opportunity being in the division. I would have preferred that he went elsewhere. Um, I don't like, I don't like rooting for injury. I don't want to hope that he is a bust because he can't stay healthy. Um, but that that's the only shot that they have. Cause if he is healthy and plays really well, that's a really good quarterback. I'll tell you what, quick side note here. I had a uh, bold predictions for Twitter on Thursday before the draft. And mine was you're going to get two new AFC quarterbacks two to Miami and Jalen hurts to new England. I'm halfway there on that. But anyway, you have, you're not off the board yet. No, the not Patriots off the board. coming up at 37. That, that's right. And uh, love is gone. And we'll talk about that in a second. All right. So two teams get their quarterbacks of the future. Maybe who knows with the Chargers, maybe the present. Uh, Derek Brown to the Panthers. No surprise. Isaiah Simmons to Arizona. Like that pick. CJ Henderson in Jacksonville. That team's got needs everywhere. That's a good corner. Jedrick Willis to Cleveland at 10. That just seems like a perfect marriage, doesn't it, for them? That's what they needed badly as a tackle. And they got a good one. Oh, 100%. I, I think Will's technique and athleticism is phenomenal. Um, and a lot of people think that he's only a right tackle. Nick Saban was very clear that, no, we played him as our blindside blocker because two is left-handed and that he could have played left tackle if we wanted him to. We chose for him to play the most important position in that blindside. It just happened to be our right tackle in our system because Tua was left-handed, uh, but that he's going to be a, a fine left tackle in the NFL because they did sign Jack Conklin. So I think some fans who maybe weren't connected to that were like, oh, well, we just signed Conklin and he's only a right tackle, uh, but Wills is going to step in day one and be their left tackle and be darn good. Yeah, I agree. So now this is where top 10 picks, to me, pretty uneventful. Started to get a little more interesting here at 11. The Jets took Becton. He took another tackle uh, for Louisville. Didn't take a wide receiver. Are you a little surprised about that? Because you got Ruggs, you got Judy, and you got Lamb out there, and they didn't take any of them. They took a tackle. I'm not saying they didn't need one, but did you expect the Jets in that position with all three of them available to take one of them? Now, with the top two tackles gone with guys like Wills and Thomas off the board, I did think that it was going to be too much to pass to too much to pass over with all three wide receivers there. But um, I, I think it was the right pick, honestly, with signing Brashad Perriman. And, um, you know, they had some holes so they could use talent in plenty of spots. So it's not like they didn't also need a receiver. But um, honestly, as a as a Bills fan out of the top four tackles, I think Becton might have the most upside, but he also has the biggest chance to bust. So I'm, I'm fine with him going there um, in that we'll just root for him to eat a lot of New York City pizza and eat himself out of the league. <laughs> Rugs next pick to the Raiders. First wide receiver, wide receiver off the board. Does Crazy. that shock you? To me, that's one of the more surprising things of the first round. It was always Lammer, Judy, and Rugs. while a top 20 pick for sure, I didn't hear one person say that he was going to be the first wide receiver off the board. So got to be kind of surprising to you, ain't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it was a hundred percent the, the uh, bigger surprise there. And besides the fact, the last pick of the round and who the number one running back was with the other three on the board, that was another big shock, but uh, rugs being wide receiver one, you could have made yourself some nice money in Vegas. Yeah, for sure. Now Tampa Bay trades with Frisco. They swap picks. They move up one. They get Trish and Worf, So they get an offensive tackle that they really need. I'll tell you what, Tom Brady's got a lot of shit going on there. With Tampa, Frisco moves back one. They get Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle. Jerry Judy goes to Denver at 15. A.J. Terrell goes to Atlanta at 16. That was the first big surprise for me, that one right there. How come? I agree with you, but, but uh, well, I do agree with you, but I, I thought they might I go like somewhere Terrell. else. Mm-hmm. I like Terrell. I just thought with some of the other guys that were on the board, um, you have some top-end pass rushers that were there that had been connected to, to – uh, to the Falcons as, as long as uh, having Jeff Gladney and, you know, just some other top end right. cornerbacks. I was just surprised that that was the name. I wasn't surprised it was a cornerback. I was just surprised that he was the guy. And a quick side note on the trade for Werfs. Some fans were like, oh, why would you move up one spot when obviously the Niners weren't going to take Werfs? I think that the Niners did us a favor because I think Miami was the team trying to get up there to get 
Werfs, uh, and you'll see why in a moment. Um, but I'm much happier that they weren't able to do that and give up any. They had plenty of capital to move up there to 13 and to take Werfs. So Tampa Bay making that swap and only giving up a fourth, I think, did us a favor. Yeah, I know where you're going with that, too. All right, so Dallas with the next pick. You can make a good argument that one of the best players in the draft fell in their oh, yeah. laps at 17. So they get CD Lamb at 17. I don't think many people saw that coming. No, and, and I was ecstatic because I did not want Miami to stumble into getting CD Lamb for free. So I, I was I didn't think Dallas was going to do it with already having Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, but God bless Jerry Jones drafting from his super yacht. Um <laughs> I I was ecstatic that they took him and they didn't gift wrap him to Miami. Miami is on the clock then with their second pick, and this is where you're going. They ended up with Austin Jackson, who some people might consider a bit of a reach, and would, they would have been a lot better off if they could have gotten Tristan Worse, and they didn't. And then the Raiders at 19 for the second year in a row, not saying the pick's not going to work out, but Damon Arnett, the cornerback from Ohio, goes in the first round to the Raiders. Now, again, these guys are professionals, and I'm an idiot who makes one mock draft a year. I had Damon Arnett going to the Bills at pick 54 in my mock draft. So, so much for that. I would have been okay if the Bills got Damon Arnett at 54. I wouldn't even even been excited. I would have been like, all right, I guess that's pretty good. If the if the Bills were at 22 and moved up to 19 to get him, I would have lost my mind. <laughs> all right, so Jacksonville's next. Uh, Chelsea, a good pass rusher, edge from... LSU, I see, totally see why they do that. I mean, obviously, there's, they're go- hopefully going to be making a trade pretty soon. I was going to say, yeah, that makes it pretty clear that that uh, Ngakwe is headed somewhere. Right, absolutely. Uh, Jalen Rager, a little bit of a surprise, goes 21 to Philly. Not a big surprise, though. And then with the next pick, which would have been the Bills, Justin Jefferson. Now, I want to stop here briefly. Had the Bills not picked up digs. They were on the clock at 22. Let's just say they didn't move up or they couldn't move up it would have played out that Justin Jefferson would have been their pick. How would you have felt about that if Brandon Bean took him? Now, of course, that's not to say they had to take a wide receiver at all in the first round. They could have taken Brandon Ayuk or, you know, another position. But would you have been happy if the Bills ended up with Justin Jefferson? To me, it makes this Stephon Diggs trade. I feel a lot better about it right now. Um, Absolutely. And I think you saw it play out verbatim. What Brandon Bean said in his interview was that, hey, when we made this trade, it was the security of what was there. We felt like we gave up the ammo of what would have moved us up for 18 or 19. And we just didn't see the elite game warrior day one talent available at that spot that we needed. So we made the move and he was right. Cause all three of those top end receivers were gone by 17. Um, and even someone like chase on that, that might've been another option was gone. So once you got past those top elite talents, any of the guys that left were, that was really where that kind of tier dropped off where they're still very good players, but any of the guys left here that honestly, anyone that got picked after chase on the, once you got past Rager, Jefferson, Murray, Ruiz, Ayuk, any of them could have gone 22nd, 23rd, or could have gone 39th or 40th, and you wouldn't have been surprised. Like, there was just a really nice drop-off in talent right there, which happened to be just before the Bills were picking. And I think Brandon Bean saw that coming and made that trade. Now, I like Justin Jefferson. I actually made the comment on Twitter that I would have felt better if they bungled that pick a little bit more and, and reach for someone that I didn't like because I actually like Jefferson. I think he's a nice player. Um, I think he's going to slot into that role as kind of a second tier behind Adam Thielen really well. Um, so he's a good player. I thought Minnesota did well with for themselves uh, today. Matter of fact, their second trade down, they did really well dropping down later on and getting a nice corner that I liked a lot. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, obviously you would take Stefan Diggs over Justin Jefferson 10 out of 10 times. I'll tell you what, I think that ends up being a deal – if Justin Jefferson ends up becoming a pretty good receiver, that really benefits both teams. We've already talked about Diggs, so we don't need yeah, to go there win. again. But that's a good trade for Minnesota, too. So they get a rookie receiver on a rookie contract. They pick up a couple extra late-round picks. If they had an issue with Diggs, you know, his, uh, I don't want to say his character, but he was just a distraction at times off the field. Not saying that's going to happen in Buffalo. We certainly hope it doesn't. But anyway, I just feel like it's a deal that ultimately could work out for both teams. So anyway, moving on. Next pick, New England. Not surprised they trade down. I mean, that's just what they do. But the Chargers came all the way up from 37 to 23. 14 spots they jumped to go get linebacker Kenneth Murray. Are you surprised at all that New England moved down? Because Love was there if they were going to take a quarterback or some other guys. But they moved down and the Chargers come up, they get Murray. 
uh, you can never be surprised with the Patriots trading down. It's it's what they do. Um, but I, I would say when I saw the Chargers trade up with taking Herbert earlier and they traded away their tackle to bring in a guard, Trey Turner, I really thought this was Josh Jones or Isaiah yeah, Wilson or one of those tackles. Like when they traded up, that's what I was saying in the in the chat. I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Yep. They saw that the tier was dropping off at the tackle market and they want to jump up and get their guy. And Lucas Niang could have made sense. Josh Jones could have made sense. Ezra Cleveland could have made sense. And when they went Kenneth Murray, like he's a good player and they have some talent on their defense. So that's cool. That they added a talented guy. They let Thomas Davis walk and, you know, need to fill that spot. But yeah, I was surprised that just in today's day and age, trading up for an off ball linebacker is not certainly not the analytics crowd solution. I agree. And I'll tell you, I also had Josh Jones. In fact, in our, in our Zoom chat when we were making our picks, I thought that was going to be that. Now, the next yeah, pick, New Orleans. Call. I'm going to tell you what, in the first round, I didn't realize it until I got to pick 24. I'm looking at team needs and stuff like that. I'm like, this team doesn't need anything. Hey, really? The Saints <laughs> are good, man. It's a damn good roster. It's a yeah, damn good roster. It is. Just take the best player. And they did. Cesar Ruiz, a center for Michigan. Frisco trades with Minnesota. You talked about Minnesota moving down. So Frisco moves up to 25. They get Brandon Ayuk, the wide receiver from Arizona State. And then probably if there's, I don't know. Yeah, it was a shock. Green Bay moves up. Back to back. The next two picks were the biggest shocks for me. Yeah, for sure. Now, Green Bay moves up to uh, Miami spot at 26. And they take Jordan Love, a quarterback. Like, wow. What do you think Aaron Rodgers is feeling right now? Now, obviously, that's not going to be anytime soon where there's going to be the switching of the guard. But still, you know, Green Bay's a NFC contender and they're drafting, trading up to draft the quarterback of the future, hopefully for them anyway, in round one. So it's, it's really confusing because Rodgers is older than people think. They forget about the three years behind Favre. So Rodgers is 36. So I think a lot of people think of him as more significantly younger than the Roethlisberger, River, Rivers group when he's actually right on their heels. Um, So he's 36. So it's not ridiculous to plan, but he has a monster contract is right now close to the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. And you cannot move that contract. You can't trade it. You can't cut it. You can't do anything for three more years, 2020, 2021, and 2022. He's actually signed through 2023. You could get out of it that year. So the best case scenario is you eat the first three years of Jordan Love's rookie contract. You get one year under his rookie contract and then his fifth year option. You know, don't get me wrong. They're literally doing the exact same thing they did with Favre and Rodgers, where he sits for three years and comes in. And if that's how it works, and he's that good because you gave him three years to learn and to know the system, God bless him. You know, if that's how they plan this out. But to have Rodgers still in his window, not only did you not get him a weapon, you gave up extra assets to move up and trade, and that's one less asset you can use later on to get him a weapon or protection. I just it is mind boggling. I I just it's probably not terrible long term strategic planning, but God bless whoever's got to talk to Aaron Rodgers first about why they did this. Well, I'll tell you what, they're my little Zoom group. The one non Bills fan was a Packers fan and not happy with that pick. Not <laughs> not happy at all. So the next pick, this is the other one you said was a surprise. Jordan Brooks, linebacker from Texas Tech to Seattle at twenty seven. What surprised you about that most? So one, I, I just out of happenstance, I was using the the draft networks mock machine as I was going through there so I could see the board and see where guys were going. And I just had it on their generic player rankings. I had to scroll down and find him at 107th because they had him as a fourth round pick. Wow. Now, now, whether that's accurate or not is anybody's guess. Right. I don't think anyone had him better than a second half of the second round guy. I think that was the highest I could find anywhere is that maybe he would be in the second half. If the Bills took him at 54, I would have been livid. <laughs> yeah, doing it. So having him go 27, the thing that really upset me is you needed a linebacker. You had Patrick Queen staring you in the face, and you not taking him, you gift-wrapped him for the damn Ravens, and you gave Patrick Queen to the Ravens because, of course, they stumble into a really nice player late in the draft and get a great value because that's what happens to them every year. So I'm just annoyed that a team in the NFC we don't really have to worry about needed a player at that position, 
took a player at that position and could have taken him away from one of our conference rivals and instead gift wrap Patrick Queen for the Ravens. So I'm more annoyed that they reach because it helps somebody we have to beat. Sure. I would have bet Seattle traded down, and if they didn't, I thought they would have went running back. You took the words yeah. right out of my mouth when it comes to Patrick Queen just falling to the Ravens. You just know that he's going to end up being a really good defender. That's just the way it always goes with Baltimore guys. Um, so Isaiah Wilson, an offensive tackle, he goes 29 to Tennessee. Miami at 30, takes new – God, I can't pronounce that God, dude. <laughs> Igbenogany. Yep, that dude. <laughs> they take a corner despite having Howard and Jones. That was uh, – yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a little bit Christian of a head-scratcher. Christian Fulton and Jeff Gladney both on the board. I, I thought Igbenogany was fine, but I thought he was – I actually thought he was the guy that the Bills could be in the market for. When you, you talked about Arnett, I thought he was right there in that range, the 40 to 55 range that, that he could be there if we got lucky. So I thought that was a little early. So, again, the Dolphins walking away with Austin Jackson and Igbenogany, I'm fine. You traded away – yeah, they literally replaced them one for one. You know, you traded away uh, Minka Fitzpatrick and Laramie Tunsil, and you got Austin Jackson and Noe Benagane. Great job with your, you know, draft pick roulette. Way to go. Yeah, I, that is a good point. All right, so the last two picks of the first round, to be honest with you, were guys that at this point of the draft with only a couple left, I started having that little fantasy in my head about these guys maybe slip sliding all the way down to 54. Jeff Gladney, the corner you mentioned him, he goes to Minnesota at 31. I really like that pick an awful lot. And then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, running back, the only one taken in the first round, goes to the Kansas City Chiefs, which, man, you just, he's going to flourish in that offense. But, yeah, those were two guys that I never had any expectations of the Bills getting them at 54. But if they could have snuck out, you never know. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Gladney was one that I definitely had on my wish list. Like, I didn't think it was likely. Uh, we'll talk about a couple of the guys who are left here that I think are exciting. But um, I thought Minnesota walking away with Jefferson and Gladney and the extra ammo they got for moving down uh, to 31 were probably the loose winners of day one. I thought they did really, really well with their ammo. Um, Edward Hilaire came up on, a, uh, I think, the first the first. First draft, I think it's called, is the mock draft, the, the podcast that they do with Mel Kuyper and Todd yeah. McShay. Yep. And they, they did a, a, a prop bets uh, pod of their last one. And one of them was good odds on who the first running back was taken. Clyde Edwards Hilaire was 16 to 1 that you could have got odds on him being the first running back taken. The Henry Ruggs odds for first receiver was pretty good, not 16 to one, but pretty good. Uh, but Edwards Hilaire was 16 to one that you could have got for the first running back taken. Uh, so somebody made some money on that pick tonight. Wow. Wow. All right. So we're going to look ahead to the bills starting tonight. Before that though, quickly, OJ Howard and Leonard Fournette, two well-known veteran, former first round players, presumably are both on the trading block. Before we talk about, the Bills in the draft. Do you have any interest in either of those guys? Uh, I have interest in both of them. I only have interest in both of them at a significant discount. Um, so I'm talking sixth round pick kind of stuff. So if they're trying to get out of the contract or just trying to get them out of town, which I think is more of the case with Fournette than it is with Howard. I think Howard, they're looking for legitimate return. Um, any of the stuff that they're looking for at, at a higher end deal, you have one year left on both of their contracts at their rookie uh, deal. I think Fournette's four million. Um, Howard is two and change because he was picked 19th instead of fourth or whatever the heck Fournette was. Um, so, you know, I, I'm open to it, but it's basically a one year rental. Uh, you probably could recoup the pick on either one of them if you, traded for them and then let them walk and get a comp pick. So you could probably relatively get it for free, uh, but you're only getting it for free if you're getting it for a fifth or a sixth round pick. So if they're looking for a third or a fourth, I would rather get a cost control guy for four years with the value that's still on the board here that we'll talk about in a second. I wouldn't be interested in any of those top three picks that we have in the second, third or fourth. But if it's a fifth or a sixth, I'd be open to it um, or, I could see a conditional where it's a sixth this year, but if we re-sign them to an extension, you also get a conditional, um, you know, 2021 fourth or something like that, because then we're getting a little more long-term value. Uh, but beyond there, any of the stuff people were asking if we should trade a second or a third or something like that for Howard. And that, that's crazy. Uh, he's, he's been a bust to this point. I, I agree why people are excited. He was phenomenal at Alabama. He had an amazing combine. They had the, 
pass happiest offense in the NFL last year for 5,100 yards and everybody ate in that offense except for OJ Howard. So, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm good if we don't get him. I feel like Letter Fournette could be had for a very late round pick. OJ Howard feels to me like the kind of guy, and I'm not saying I would do it, but maybe a fourth or maybe you give up a fourth and they give you OJ Howard in a sixth, something sure. along those lines. Something to at least think about. But anyway, in terms of sure. tonight, the expectation, the Bills are scheduled to pick 54 and 86. I don't think they're going to move up from 54. Now, that doesn't mean it's obviously not going to happen. I would think, if anything, they're more likely to move down. I can see a scenario where the Bills might even move down from 54 and then move up from 86, something like that. I Because if they move up from 54, that might end up costing them their third or definitely their fourth for sure. I don't know that they want to do that after not having a first. But you know Brandon Bean, and you know he's a wheeler and a dealer. Like in your mind right now, do you see a scenario without naming specific numbers to get to or teams? Do you see such a scenario where they move up or move down on night two of the draft, which again is tonight? Um, So for me, yes. And there's two players that I think put that into play um, that we'll get to here in the sweet spots for the bills, just looking at the normal draft pick calculator stuff. And those, they're not perfect, but they're pretty close. Most sure. of the trades that happened tonight were within five to 10% of what that trade value chart shows. Um, the two sweet spots are, for us are about pick 40 and pick 47. So at pick 40 is about where you can get if we use the second and the third. So if you include 86, with 54, you can get up to about 39, 40, 41, depending on what it is. The Dolphins are at 39, so they're not helping us out any. The Texans are at 40. The Browns are at 41. That's the ballpark. Um, pick 47, pick 48 is the other range where you could get there by keeping the third rounder and just using the fourth. You could get up to the Broncos at 46, the Falcons at 47. Again, the Jets are 48. They're probably not helping us out. Uh, but pick 46, 47 is the ballpark. Those are the two sweet spots where if you use the second and the third or if you use the second and the fourth, where about that would get you to. And, you know, we'll get to it here. There's a lot of different players, all five safeties, you know, both Mims and Chenault, the receiver, uh, all three of the top running backs. But the two names for me would be if Christian Fulton or Yeter Gross Matos make it to pick 39 or 40 or 41, all of a sudden, I think those are top 20, top 25 level talents. If you have a chance to get one of them, and I realize giving up 86 is a lot, that might be worth it for me to get Christian Fulton or Yeter Gross Matos. Those are the two shining stars on my list. Besides, I'd, I'd be happy with the five safeties. I'd be happy with happy with the three running backs, some of the other guys. Those are my two shining stars left. I want to hit on three positions specifically, and then we'll wrap by you giving a couple guys that don't play those positions that you would definitely be interested in. But one guy I wanted to talk about briefly, Kyle Duger, safety from D2 school. He has a buzz, and I've never been sold or fan on taking him in the second round. But Joe B on Thursday had a mock draft. I really liked it a lot, the insight. And by the end of it, kind of talked me into him. What would you think about a scenario like that? A guy like Duger would kind of be like a, a big nickel sort of role. Now you hear the word safety and you're like, well, they got poor, they got hide for at least two more years each. So I don't know. What, what's your thoughts on somebody like Kyle Duger? So I, I like him a lot. I think he's got a great story. I think there's a really fun avenue of, of how they can utilize him. But I think what you're seeing here and the fact that no safeties have been taken yet, zero went in the first round. So all five of the top safeties are left with Xavier McKinney, Grant Delpit, Antoine Winfield Jr. for names that people will recognize, mm -hmm. Jeremy, Jeremy Chin, and then Kyle Duggar, including Ashton Davis, who a lot of people have above Duggar, that's six safeties that are left. I I just wonder, you know, I would take Xavier McKinney, Grant Delpit, and Antoine Winfield Jr. undoubtedly ahead of Kyle Duggar. I like Kyle Duggar. I just have those three rated higher than him. So the the chance of one of those six making it to the Bills, I think is very high. I actually think it shows that, one of them making it to pick 86 isn't out of the question. None have been picked yet. It's obviously a suppressed position from a value standpoint. It has been for the past couple of years. Safety and running back have been falling further than where they've been graded for a while. Um, 
I like Kyle Duggar, but I like the idea of what people think Duggar can do more than I need it to specifically be him. So if it's Ashton Davis, if it's Jeremy Chin, if it's Antoine Winfield Jr., if it's Grant Delpit, if it's Xavier McKinney, I'll be just as excited or more because I like the idea of filling that role. I think because of the great story that Matt Fairburn wrote because of the mock that Joe Biscaglia did because other people have talked about him. I think some people have it in their mind that he has to be that guy or that he's the number one safety. When in reality he was mocked at 54 because the assumption was four or five of those other safeties would have gone earlier and that he would be the guy who was available. Whereas we might get better than him. And I think some fans would be like, oh man, I want a Duggar when really we might get an upgrade. Yeah. A couple corners that are available as of right now anyway. And again, the Bills are scheduled to pick in the second and third. They might maneuver around. You mentioned Christian Fulton. Got your friend, Trevon Diggs, Stefan's brother from Alabama, Bryce Hall from Virginia, Jalen Johnson from Utah, Michael OG Mudia from Iowa, Tony Pye from Notre Dame. By the way, uh, who was it? Um, Joe Marino. And our mock draft that we did on Tuesday ended up uh, mocking Michael Oju Mwudi. I got it. That name is hard to pronounce. But anyway, <laughs> he took he took him in the third round. Any of those guys really stick out to you? Um, so I, I think there's a, a top three. I think Fulton, Diggs, and Jalen Johnson are all right there. I think Bryce Hall's kind of in a no man's land. I don't know that he's worth pick 54. I don't know that he's going to make it to us at 86. I'd be okay if they took him there. He's a great fit for what we're looking for. I'd be ecstatic if we got him at 86. And then the same way, uh, Amik Robertson's another guy who's out there who's by most people's measure the best nickel corner and would come in and really push Taron Johnson. And then I think Michael Ojemudie and a guy like later Harrison Hand is out there that's later on. I think Ojemudie is more the same, almost the same idea as Bryce Hall. I'd be okay if we got him in the third. I'd be ecstatic if we got him in the fourth. Same with Troy Pride Jr. I think Pride Jr. can be a nickel. I'd be okay if we got him in the third. I'd be happier in the fourth. So I think there's the the run and corner was real. You mentioned how many went earlier. I, um, but if we have a chance that Fulton Diggs or Jalen Johnson made it to us at 54, I'd be pretty pumped. And when you add in still AJ Epinesa still there, Zach Bond is still there. All three of the top running backs, those six safeties. There's a lot of the bills need to be rooting for and Plus Denzel Mims uh, is still out there. You know, if they're in, if they're looking for that KJ Hamler still out there, there's a lot of tail. Uh, LaVisca Chenault still out there. The Bills fans need to be rooting for a lot of defensive tackles. They want a couple surprise quarterbacks. We we do want to see, you know, someone like Jalen Hurts and maybe a surprise like Jake Fromm or Jacob Eason to go earlier. Maybe some more linebackers, couple Malik Harrison. Ends, maybe. Yes, yes. Uh, Cole Komet and Adam Troutman. We need to be rooting for stuff like that to happen to fill in some of these spots because, you know, I can count 15 guys that I'd really, really like, and we only need – you know, that means with 21 picks before us, we need six other people to go for one of those really exciting guys to make it to us for my list. Um, so, you know, all we need is a couple of those other picks to go. And all of a sudden we're looking good. So I think the Bills are going to get a really good value at 54 with how the board set up. I'll tell you what, I feel like and I have long felt like cornerback might be a position to address in even as early as the second round, because after Trey White, I just don't like what they have. Not to mention age or short-term contracts. And I'll tell you what, man. I don't know that he's going to be there at 54. In fact, if I was betting, I'd say no. But when you look at Trayvon Diggs, look, Stefan Diggs, don't you think he would be happy to have his brother? No, I know Brandon B. He's not going to say, hey, I'm going to make you happy and I'm going to draft your brother. He's ultimately going to make a decision based on talent, scheme, fit, and all that. But you can't completely dismiss that either. It'd be pretty cool for him to have his little brother with him in Buffalo, wouldn't you say? I think it'd be awesome. I think it'd be a fantastic story. I agree. That has nothing to do with why Brandon Bean, Joe Shane, sure. and Dan Morgan are going to make the pick, but it'd still be really cool. I, I, I'm a fan. I, I host a podcast, but I'm a fan. I'm not, you know, I'm not invested, you know, from that strategic element of it. I don't care. I like the good story. Um, now, I will say Joe Marino and uh, Bruce Nolan did a really good discussion on that, and they talked about how you know, Trayvon Diggs might be a little bit raw. We're not really sure. You know, he's trading positions. I actually talked to Bruce afterwards and, and went went over and said that, you know, I wish I was on because I, 
I actually think the Bills are in a perfect position to take someone like Trayvon Diggs, who has incredible physical upside, is a 6'2", ridiculously athletic corner that is able to be in that position where we don't need him day one and that you'd never be able to get a talent like that of what he's capable of where we have one of the best coaching staffs in the in the NFL from a DB standpoint and are able to get the performance we do out of a guy like Levi Wallace and that in year one when you have a safety net of hey if we learn that Trayvon Diggs isn't ready day one, which he probably isn't because he's still learning the game, he gets to spend that time with Bobby Badgett Jr. He gets to spend the time with Sean McDermott, with Leslie Frazier, and has the safety net of, hey, that's fine. Let's let Levi Wallace and Josh Norman play for now. If kind of like the Matt Milano plan when we are letting Ramon Humber get snaps, if he earns it by week 11, that's great. Let him let the kid play if he needs the whole year to get ready and then he plays next year. We just got a ridiculously athletic elite talent and we were probably going to start Levi Wallace or Josh Norman anyway. So um, I think it would be a great luxury. Now, would I prefer to get a guy that I think is going to make absolute day one impact yes that'd be great but i actually think the long-term upside might be even better to take someone like him and i'll use an example um i do think that bryce hall or michael jamudier are more ready to play this year and would be ready right off the bat i think that three years from now trayvon Diggs might be in a different stratosphere than where those guys are when he learns to harness his physical gifts. So, um, you know, there's risk in that, that he doesn't learn to harness it and doesn't do that. But coming into a spot where his brother's there, who has a world renowned work ethic and the way our coaches coach up DBs, but now they get to do it with a hunk of clay that instead of being barely checking each of the boxes for Levi Wallace now is off the charts in all of those boxes. I'll take my, I'll, I'll take my chances. They can work with that hunk of clay. Yeah, that's perfectly said, man. And that's a big difference about this roster right now compared to years past. There's no second or third round rookie I think that they're going to take that needs to come in and be an impact day one starter. A lot of these guys are going to be developed. And I think future contract money, rookie contract deals are going to play a big part per position on where they go. Now, you mentioned a couple of defensive ends. We're wrapping up here. Epineza, Gross Matos, uh, Marlon Davidson from Auburn. Curtis Weaver from Boise State. A few more out there. Jonathan Garvin from Miami. Now, now, I'm not always saying these are 54 guys. Maybe they're 86 guys as well. Something like that. Or Darrell Taylor from Tennessee. Defensive end, do you see that as a very realistic position that the Bills could be addressing tonight? Um, I was absolutely shocked that only two edge players went yes. in the entire first round. The fact that you know, obviously everybody knew Chase Young and Chase on were going to go in the first round. But the fact that they were the only ones is shocking that Epinesa, Gross Matos, Zach Bond, Julian Aguara, Curtis Weaver, Josh Uche, Terrell Lewis, just a, Bradley and I, a lot of names that are out there that um, having one of those guys make it to us at 54, that I think that's probably closer to the Epinesa, Gross Matos, Bond, Aguara, maybe Weaver is about my cutoff um, of guys I think that are 54 guys. Some people like Josh Uche and uh Terrell Lewis as well, uh, but I, I would say those top four, if we had a chance at Epinesa, Gross Matos, Bon, or Aquara, those are the kind of guys that, and those are very different players. Epinesa is probably more of a strong side end, first and second get down guy who kicks in to defensive end or to D-tackle on third and long. Bon and Aquara are probably some strong side linebacker reps and third and long defensive ends pass rush only. The guy who I think checks every box for us, you know, scheme, fit, first, second, third down is Gross Matos. I, I would love to get him. Um, and I think Curtis Weaver is kind of like the dollar store Gross Matos that, you know, does a lot of the same things, just a little bit less in each one. Um, those are the guys that I think this lined up really well. I've thought edge, I always had edge a little bit ahead of cornerback because I, I think a little bit more highly of Josh Norman than, than a lot of folks do and i'm concerned that all of our pass rushers are 30 or older um that i'd really like to snag one of those guys that i think you know it'd be great if we only need 30 or 40 percent of the snaps from them as a rookie and they're ready to take over for hughes or addison or murphy or all three of them if they age out here um so i'm really excited with the way the edge is uh pool is lined up right now and again it, gross Matos is the apple of my eye if he got there at a 40 42 43 45 47 is perfect if he gets to that range and we only have to give the fourth round pick i would be leaping uh, off the table to be able to get him now last position we'll head on here running backs 
It's kind of been a, a trendy pick in Bill's mock drafts leading up to the draft, taking a running back even in early as round two. If that's your thing, this was a very good night. Well, again, only one running back goes, last pick of the first round. So you head into round two. Now, again, the Bills got to wait 21 picks. These guys aren't all going to be there. But you got Swift, you got Dobbins, you got Jonathan Taylor, you got Cam Akers, you got Zach Moss. It's good running backs out there, man. I heard Mel Kuyper say as I was turning off the coverage, getting ready to start taping this with you, that he expects five or six running backs to go in round two. So if you're a guy who wants the Bills to take a running back in round two, they're out there. Where do you fall on that? And are any of these guys that, if they're there at 54, you're like, I think I might have to have this guy. Any of those top three, I wouldn't be upset. If we end up with J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, or Jonathan Taylor at 54, I can't be mad. I mean, those are really good players. So I'll, I'll be happy with what they could add to the offense. I've always thought 86 was our sweet spot. Um, now, for me, I foolishly thought Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was going to fall further than he did. Obviously, I was I was very wrong in that he was the first running back off the board and went as a first rounder. Um, so I... I had been kind of level setting that people, I thought a lot of people thought they were going to go much earlier. You know, history shows us that the NFL is suppressing the value of running backs and just doesn't believe in that. And that they're going later than what people value or grade them as. And that happens every year. This happened again this year. Um, So I think a lot of people graded Dobbins, Swift and Taylor in their top 32 players, but none of them went in that range. So, um, you know, I'd still love to get a Cam Akers in the third or even get lucky with a Zach Moss or Antonio Gibson in the fourth. I'd prefer to wait for that value at running back and still fill some of those other positions because I think the drop-off at uh, defensive end, cornerback, some of those other safety, some of those other positions where we could use that big nickel or some of those other spots, we we can't get that guy in the third or the fourth round. Um, so I'd rather wait for that. But if we end up picking a J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, that's ex- that's excellent value. I, I won't be upset with getting a guy that's a first-round talent, you know, two-thirds of the way into the second round. Second last thing for you. So I go corners, I go defensive end, I go running back. I feel like two of those three posi- those three positions Day two on Friday, I feel like two of those three probably will be addressed, but you never know, might be best player available, which is my question for you. Give me just a couple guys who are not a corner defensive end or running back that if you're there at 54 or 86 or somewhere in that trade up, trade down range that you'd like to see the Bills get their hands on. Sure. I mean, I think wide receiver is still in play. You know, Michael Pittman Jr. is still out there. T. Higgins sure. is still out there. K.J. Hamler, Denzel Mims, Chano- uh, LaVisca Chenault. You tell me we get one of those guys at 54? I'm not going to be upset. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to turn that down. I think that we saw wide receivers kind of holding on later. You know, so I, I think it looked like maybe there was going to be a run there when you saw Rager and Jefferson, and then we only saw Ayuk as the only other one to go. So we saw six go in the first round. Um, I thought that was right around the line of what was expected. That's actually exactly what Mel Kuyper said in that that uh, prop bet uh, mock draft or uh, podcast. So I think that there's still some value there. Um, I don't think – I've never thought tight end was the the – hole that other people did but some people like Adam Troutman and Cole Komet I, I don't think that's crazy um, I don't expect an interior defensive lineman but interior offensive line is probably the one that Bills fans would be upset if they heard it but if if they end up with a Robert Hunt or a Lloyd Cushenberry or Jonah Jackson I think that's probably a better pick than what people realize and that there's a chance that uh, you know we own we don't have um, a lot of people under contract going into next year with Inseki's deal expiring to Spencer Long and John Feliciano and a bunch of guys that we have here that they're not in Daryl Williams. That they're only signed for this year that I think drafting one of those guys to to groom behind Feliciano and then let them step in, you know, when we're extending some of these other players. Um, I think that's a sneaky one that people wouldn't expect that it could be a Matt Hennessy or Damian Lewis or one of those kind of guys that could be a sneakier pick. Again, I'd prefer that at 86, um, but I wouldn't be shocked if it happened at 54. All right, last question here. So the Bills were in neutral, no picks on Thursday night. What team do you feel helped themselves the most? with their pick or their picks in round one and what team, I don't want to say what team hurt themselves. I don't think anyone hurt themselves, but what team do you feel like blew an opportunity to help themselves the most? 
Um, so I did mention Minnesota earlier. I do think they did really well to walk away with uh, Jefferson and Gladney. Um, I think that getting Tristan Wirfs at 13 for Tampa Bay with, you know, protecting Tom Brady was a fantastic value. Yeah. Um, Jerry Judy going to the Broncos there, that Broncos roster for anybody who hasn't seen it. We need to hope Drew Locke isn't good because the rest of that roster is really talented. They've added a lot of good guys. They made a couple sneaky trades that people didn't really pay attention to that was incredibly impressive. So um, they've got something good going on there in Denver that uh, I think would surprise some people. Um, Honestly, I think the teams with multiple picks didn't do themselves any favors. You know, the Raiders uh, taking Ruggs as wide receiver one isn't a bad thing, but I thought that Lamb and Judy were better than him. Damon Arnett at pick 19 is a reach to me. I think he's a good player, but that's a reach. Um, the Dolphins with their other two picks being Austin Jackson and Noeg Benagane, they're fine. But if you told me that those were the two picks at 45 and 52, I would have said, yeah, that makes sense. So having them be the picks at 18 and, and 30, uh, you know, I think is a little bit earlier than they should have gone. So, um, and then Patrick queen falling in the Ravens lap at 28. I thought those were some of the, the best and the, and the most surprising ones. I'll tell you what Tua going fifth to Miami. That's always going to have comparisons to Herbert. Now I like Tua, but he is a risk. So that'll be something going forward. If they, you know, they took him over Herbert that obviously will be monitoring in uh, the years to come. But anyway, follow Greg on Twitter at Greg Thompson. Of course, check out, check out cover one. Tons of draft coverage. Podcast featured my man Greg right here. Thanks a lot, bro. It's after 1 o'clock in the morning. We stay up real late. I really appreciate you staying up with me and uh, knocking off this podcast. Appreciate you, brother. Had a blast, man. Thanks. All right, folks. That is going to do it for today's episode. Very big thank you again, Greg Thompson from Cover One. Deep into the night, Greg and I recorded that. Very much appreciate you, Greg. Also appreciate today's show supporters, Automute 26 Shirts, and of course, Sounds Assured. Coming up on the podcast next Tuesday, I'm going to have Bruce Nolan from the Nick and Nolan Show. We'll recap all the stuff that happened in the NFL draft course with a big slant towards the Buffalo Bills. That'll be good stuff with Bruce next Tuesday. Guys and girls, if you have not done so already, please go ahead, subscribe to this podcast, rating review, all that fun stuff. It really helps me continue to grow the show. Of course, you can catch us on any podcasting platform out there. Also, head on over to YouTube, type in Talking Buffalo Podcast, subscribe to that as well. Not the same as the podcasting platforms. On YouTube, I have some original audio content that you'll only find there. Not even going to hear it on this podcast. Of course, I'll also have highlight clips from current and past episodes up there as well. And then last but not least, you can follow me on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. And the only thing I can say about that is if you really want to get a hold of me, go to Twitter because I'm there 24-7. So do that. Thank you so much again for listening. I end every podcast the same way because it means a lot to me. I know how many shows are out there. You're listening to this one. So many other choices, good choices. You're dialed in here. That means the world to me. So thank you very much. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. Enjoy the rest of the draft. And I'll be back. Brand new show on next Tuesday. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.